0: Hello, Humans, and welcome to the Podociesis podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Alan Kaysen
1: and Jim Morrow. How are you guys doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are you guys
1: doing? Listen, today you can call me the king of trinomials. I have mastered eighth grade factoring because I have studied for my exam, and by that I mean my children's exams. Did you take it for them? No, man, but <laughs> they, they needed help. And I had to relearn math, bro. Oh, man. Yeah. Don't man. even. Okay. This is, I, we always pick on Brett for being old. I'm going to take a quick, quick, quick aside. I did not touch some of the math that they're doing in eighth grade until I was a sophomore in high school. I don't know but if I prof- ever touched some of the math that well, they're doing. I'm yeah. pretty sure
2: when you said trinomials, you were saying a cuss word. So I was a little. <laughs> I, I thought little I thought it
1: was a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe at first. Oh uh, yeah, the uh, multiverse. Yeah, it was part of the multiverse. But apparently, I thought not. you were going so- into some like deep dive theological thing that I couldn't remember for seminary. S- yeah, <laughs> or speaking speaking in an unknown tongue. <laughs> Glossolalia. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, doing great. Glad to be with all of our pot of humans today. God um, bless y'all.
0: It just doesn't add up, does it? Oh, All right. God. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> Golly, I can't believe you I did think that. I think I think Jim just had an aneurysm. I'm sorry. I did. My buddy my buddy Bob has been listening and I think he's probably gonna he's probably either gonna laugh out loud or send you a note on that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, anyway, welcome. To the show, everybody, as always, hit us up on social media at Keys. This is where you can find us. Um, Leave a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. You can comment on our episodes. We've had a lot of comments lately. Um, We had a voicemail come in, um, and uh, the caller was wanting to know, more about like on our communion episode we were talking about um oh, yeah. yeah the difference between um the those who uh practice communion or uh, celebrate communion um once a week and those who celebrate communion um like once a month or right. once or a quarter um and you know uh it's interesting to me and and this brought up a thought to me as i was listening to his uh comment and question um, how we will take, in, you know, something that is practical yep. and then theologize it or traditionalize it to where it becomes almost sacred. Right. So, for example, the those of us who practice or celebrate communion once a month, it becomes this tradition that almost is this sacred tradition for our churches. So if we want to move to a, <laughs> let's say, once a week, celebration of the Eucharist, uh, then it causes people to go up in arms. Yep. But in the, in the historical uh, piece to this, it really was a more practical purpose, why it's practiced once a month, because, you know, long time ago, back when elders, uh, those who could celebrate communion in a local church, were circuit riding, particularly in, the, in Methodist circles, right. they were going from church to church each week. And so that, you know, that church was going to celebrate communion once a month because that's when the elder was going to be there. And so that what what had was just practical and needed to be done now has become traditional. That's at least my right. understanding of a lot of this.
1: I think that's probably true. A lot of the, and we're talking particularly in Methodist churches at this yeah. point, yeah. Um, like a lot of the churches in our region uh, were formed around the same time when there was just right after the circuit riding period yeah, uh, yeah. of the American expansion. And it's just kind of what they did. What I do like about that, though, because that can present challenges, right? Yes. When, yes. when traditions become solid. Yeah. But um, look at the flip side of that. Yeah. Look at how much what we do creates this fertile seed bed and, um, oh gosh, just foundation for people's spiritual life. Yeah. Like, you know, we talk a lot about buildings and and I appreciate church buildings of all kinds. But um over over in the most recent ones I've been in here in Albany, most beautiful, intricate, worshipfully designed uh worship spaces and people love them mm-hmm. because that's where they've experienced God. Amen. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you wanna you wanna you wanna take the good of that yeah. and help people continue to experience God in that place and have a sense memory. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't want it to be like I can only experience God when I'm in a place like this or when we do a thing like this. So there's yeah. positives and negatives. But yeah, I think, I think for me, Brett, that that answer is absolutely there. And and um uh gosh, I just love that voicemail. Thank you so much for calling. Um if you want, if you're exploring doing something different, there are tons of great resources, even in Methodist churches, that have made a move towards um weekly communion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we can dig those up for you.
0: Yeah. One, if you 100%, want if you want. 100%. Yes, 100%. Um, so uh, if you'd like to leave a voicemail, um, 404-635-6679 is where you can call and leave a voicemail, and perhaps your voicemail will be played on the air. So, um, but, uh, yeah, lots of other good comments. Just mainly people just, you know, are thankful we're dealing with these issues. Um, I'm thinking of a, a person who um, she she's a longtime listener, uh, Teresa. Uh, we are appreciative of her comments, and she's really digging in and appreciating um, the things that we are sharing as
1: well. So that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. So today, what's in a name, gentlemen? What's in a name? What's in a name? Um. We are looking at the Lord's Prayer as we finish up the Catechism, and um, we're looking at the first petition, which is, "Hallowed be Thy name." Um, and so, uh, before we really get into this, I want to kind of enter, you know, have some introductory remarks, if we will, about what's in a name, um, gentlemen, like, why were you
1: named what you were named? Well, I've got, I've got some names that I can't share on air. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) fair enough.
2: (laughs) Let's, let's, let's not go there. Uh, Um, so my middle name comes from my dad. His my dad's name is James Allen Kaysen Jr. I did, they decided not to make me a Jr., but they kept the Allen in the middle name. And then my first name is Gordon, um, which is my mother's father's name. Um, and then they some for some strange reason decided to call me Allen. So um, I've had to, I've had to deal with that my entire life. Yeah. Um, no, my first name is not Alan. It's uh, so anyways. Um, so yeah. So then we, 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 you know, uh, we took Alan into, uh, to our oldest Hunter. His middle name is Alan as well. So,
0: so that, so you've got familial ties and, and in your children's names, it's that way as well, right? Yep. Hunter
2: is my mom's maiden name and Ellie, Catherine, um, Lee and Catherine are family names. So, Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: (laughs) that's awesome. Um, my, I'm, I'm much like you, um, Alan, uh, my first name, Brett is, uh, I'm named after my mom's dad's, uh, um, or her, my mom's family. Um, they were their last names, uh, their last, my mom's maiden name is Brett. And so, um, the, yeah, my mom's maiden name is Brett. So, uh, my grandparents, um, my mom's parents' names, they had three girls. And then for the longest time, those, the, as they grew, um, they had girls. And so I was like the first boy born into the family. And so when I was born, uh, my dad and my mom, they decided, well, let's just keep the Brett name going just a little bit longer. And so, uh, they named me Brett. And so then, um, when my oldest Eli was born, his middle name is Brett, Elijah Brett. And so, um, that is, that's where my name comes from. Now, my middle name is Clifton, and I was named after a friend of my mom and dad's who was a midway worker, a carna- carnival worker. And so I never knew this guy, never met him, but apparently he was a close friend of my parents and um, they liked that name. So uh, Brett Clifton is my name and a uh, part of it, you know. And so we've just carried that on. My youngest son, Jack, is named after my, uh, my wife's grandfather, Jack and so um jackson levi is his name and so uh yeah so we try to carry on our family and also put some um of our faith uh meaning behind uh, their names as well with elijah and with um with levi so
1: how about you jim um yeah i've got a i've got a sorted history with my name and uh, it's not it's not there's not enough time in the podcast to go here but james <laughs> robert morrow uh, Jay, so my biological father, uh, his name is Robert, hmm. and he had a friend named James, and so that's how those two names came about. Uh, I've had uh, multiple last names, um, which has been a source of confusion, all was a source of confusion all through elementary school. I actually had um, because so I wasn't adopted as a Morrow officially, though you know, my dad Eric came into life really early, I was part of the household. Um, so I was, uh, I had a, like a seventh grade teacher, um, who had started class the first day. And she was like, now you tell me what you want to go by, but some of you people out here thinking you're married and you're going to tell me that you have a different last name than you do. And that's not going to fly in this class. And I was like, Oh dang. Uh, and she said, James, Robert Devonaugh. I said, I go by Jim. My last name's really Morrow. And everybody just started laughing out. So, um, eventually came through, uh, through that. But so there's, there's some history yeah. uh, connection there um, as part of family and people that I don't really know or have connection yeah. with. Yeah. Um. And then, so when we named our children, uh, we changed that up a little bit. So my oldest son's middle name is Eric, which is my, my dad's name, not my biological father, but yeah. my dad's name. Uh, so that he could carry through the heritage of uh, one who stepped in mm-hmm. uh, and did what he didn't have to do. And then we've got and once you do that once, listen, when you got a family like mm, mine yeah. and my wives, once you include one family name in,
2: oh, yeah.
1: Uh oh. Yeah. Ev- <laughs> Everybody. Well, it's, <laughs> like know, Hunter,
2: Hunter, it's like Hunter got all of my, 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 my mom and dad's side, and then Ellie got all of uh, Kristen and her side. So, <laughs> yeah, like Tanner, putting we, them Tanner together was named after like, friends.
1: Hey, <laughs> this, this child's name has an E because your name has an E. <laughs> We had to do that whole thing.
0: Names, yeah, names
1: are kind of kind of interesting.
0: It is so interesting, and how for some people, you know, names are very meaningful and interesting, as you said. Families can be involved and all that. Uh, There, well, other people names are just you know we like the sound of it, or it's unique, or whatever. Um, So for us, uh, you know, uh, for people, I guess you could say names can have a tremendous historical meaning, or it could just be we like the sound of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's unique. Um, but what's in the name? When you read the Bible, names are uh are important, and you'll notice this um throughout all of them. Names have meaning, like Abram being ch- and names changes. So Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, they have meaning behind them. Even even, even the Adam and Eve have these meanings. Uh, behind them that are important and theological and grounded and uh, meaningful for us as uh, believers. Uh, When you get to Jesus, um, Yeshua is his uh, Hebrew name, Yeshua. Uh, That name has tremendous, tremendous uh, meaning behind it. Um, uh, Going back to uh, Joshua and Hosea and those names that are all, it's all Yeshua, basically, meaning the God who saves. So um, just beautiful, beautiful uh, things that you can see connections being made there in Scripture with the names. So pay attention to the names, even in the genealogies. Pay attention yeah. to the names because names matter. And the reason we're talking about names is because in this first petition of the Lord's Prayer from uh, in, in Scripture, um, it says, hallowed be your name or hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And so uh, we're going to get into the catechism now and talk about God's name and uh, why it is holy and important. So um, let's go ahead. What do we pray? Question number one. I guess that's the only question really we're dealing with today. What do we pray in the first petition?
2: In the first petition, which is hallowed be your name. We pray that God would enable us and others to glorify him in all by which he makes himself known and that he would dispose all things to his own glory. And so we look at that, we found that in Matthew 6, 9, um, um, Jesus says, this is, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We also see that in Luke 11, um, verse two, he said to them, when you pray, say father hallowed be your name.
0: And it's interesting in, so in this passage, particularly in, Matthew, uh, the the passage before you get into this is how you should pray or pray in this way um, is how not to pray. So what we have here is Jesus doing a, a kind of a juxtaposition or a contrast, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, don't pray like this, like the hypocrites, but pray like this. Um, fa- our Father in heaven, holy is your name or hallowed be your name. Um, we do have some scriptures from the Psalms, actually. And so we're going to start with Psalm 67.
1: Yeah, just take a look at the second and the third verse. Actually, I'll just read the first two. It begins, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, mm. that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Mm. And there's something about the way that the language of the prayer and the catechism reminds us is this is— this is. uh Request very much like this psalm, that God's name would be called holy all throughout, uh, within our lives and the very deep intricacies of our lives, but also here that His way may be known upon the earth. Everything that His name brings with it, everything that His name invokes, every characteristic that is associated and true to His name, all the parts of His identity and who He is. That due to His name, may it be known upon the earth. His saving powers among the nations. And may people praise you. So it's not—it's not so much a command, like yeah. God, your name wasn't hallowed before. But I'm here praying today. Yeah. So uh, if you could go ahead and hallow it, get yourself together, sir.
0: <laughs> but it's That's like it, separate
1: yourself out. Come on. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it's not hallowed either. Like God, you ain't enough. Like a chocolate bunny, you better hallow yourself out. Um, my 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 daughter still says hollow. Hollow um, is your name. <laughs> hollow is your name. That's like the opposite. But it's like this wish out. It's yeah. like a, um, it's it's just a cry out that may this be so. Yeah. May this be true and deeply true. That could be an interesting
0: sermon, hollow versus hallow. So,
1: um, um,
0: yeah. All I'm right. going to write that one down. Yeah, I know. Uh, so before I get into the other psalm, um, I do want to say kind of looking at the Lord's prayer as a whole. Uh, John Wesley, he wrote this kind of as a, in his explanation, uh, explanation, his notes of explanation on the New Testament, um, right before the uh, Lord's Prayer, he wrote this. He said, um, he who best knew what we ought to pray for and how we ought to pray, what matter of desire, what manner of address uh, would most please himself, would best become us, has here dictated to us a most perfect and universal form of prayer. Comprehending all our real wants and expressing all our lawful desires, a complete directory and full exercise of all our devotions. Uh, so, so, Wesley sees the Lord's Prayer as a whole as a most perfect universal form of prayer. And I do like how he says, form of prayer, it's a, it's a way of telling us how to pray. Mm. Not necessarily to pray these words, although that is perfectly fine and a legitimate act of worship and prayer and devotion, uh, but also how to pray. And in fact, following this, um, Wesley will give example by praying the Lord's Prayer and expanding on each petition itself. So here's what he says about um, under hallowed be thy name. Mayest thou, O Father, be truly known by all intelligent beings, and with affection suitable to that knowledge. Mayest thou be duly honored, loved, feared, by all in heaven and in earth, by all angels and men. So he expands upon each of these petitions in his explanation of the Lord's Prayer, in his explanation, um, exp- I can't even say the word. Explanatory
1: in his notes. notes. Explanatory Oh my gosh! So here's the here's the one question I have for Wes's explanatory notes: Does yeah. he also desire that for all unintelligent creatures? Because uh, <laughs> I don't. Because I've been watching some TV.
0: Yeah, I,
1: I hear you. <laughs> I'm
0: kidding. I, I hear you. Uh, which I can't even say explanatory. So apparently that is, uh, yeah, there you go, Oh, bro. Come on. You get Uh, left
2: out, Brett. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. So Psalm 83, let's uh, go into Psalm 83. Um, Oh God, do not keep silence. Do not hold your peace or be still, oh God. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you have raised their heads. They lay crafty plans against your people. They consult together against your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let the name of Israel be remembered no more. For they conspire with one accord against you, and they make a covenant. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and Hagarites, Gabal and Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre, Ashur also has joined them. They are the strong arm of the children of Lot, Selah. Do to them as you did to Midian. As to Sisera and Jabin at the river Kishon, who were destroyed at Endor, who became dung for the ground, make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, all their princes like Zebah and Zalmunna who said, let us take possession for ourselves. Of the pastures of God. Oh, my God, make them like whirling dust, like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze. So may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, Lord. Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High. Over all the earth, and so the writer of this psalm—it's um, a psalm of Asaph. Uh, Asaph. Asaph. Asif, that's it. Asaph. Um, the writer of this psalm is—you know—you it, it, hear these words of destroy them or let them be put to shame. But the big piece to this is that the lordship of God, the name of the Lord, is a is a universal name it's a cosmic name it's a it's a name that his lordship is over them his name is great even over those who do not confess him who do not follow his deeds who even attack his enemies he is still lord over them this really is kind of a lordship song that his name may be great and you can kind of see this reflected in one of my favorite passages in the new testament from philippians 2 where it talks about every knee will bow above, uh, in the heavens, on earth, and under the earth at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And so uh, we need to remember that the name of the Lord is not just great for those who believe in him. The name of the Lord is great because the Lord is great.
1: And when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're praying that even all of these destructive forces of the world that come in the form of these nations in this passage would be, would be bowed and keeled under the holiness and grandeur of God. Yep. 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 Not because we wish ill for the people, but because justice needs to be done and God is good. And when God brings justice, um, the evil of the world is redeemed and made good. Yeah. Hey, I got this question. Y'all look at verse 10 again, and here's, uh, it says, um, it talks about those who are destroyed at Endor. Do you know who else was destroyed at Endor?
2: <laughs> I was thinking the same thing.
1: <laughs> Some stormtroopers. Some stormtroopers by. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Ewoks. some Ewoks live. <laughs> I'm a little surprised that Alan didn't just chime in there.
2: I, I was trying to keep it holy, guys. And it just uh, was,
1: You know what? You know, what, some, some of the delights of our hearts are God's holy gifts to us. And, and I delight in Star Wars Return of yes. the Jedi.
0: Amen. Amen. Especially at yeah. the end when they're
1: playing the xylophone. Don't on spoil
0: those.
1: it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Sorry, you guys. You got to put a spoiler alert in front of this episode. <laughs> In fact, we should. We should record a spoiler alert at the beginning. You should come on before the song, and so it's uh, spoiler alert. We discuss the end of Star Wars: Return of the Jedi,
2: that was made like forty years ago. But that, that's
1: the joke, Alan. <laughs> uh, no, All I'll right, be indoor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Alan's favorite song.
1: <laughs> it is now. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, well, who uh,
1: perished <laughs> in
2: indoor? Who became like dung on the ground? That's a great Whoa. verse.
0: I know. Um, so uh, there are some who believe that when Jesus is talking, when he says, Hallowed be thy name, he's actually um, taken a tradition uh, that he had practiced within the synagogues himself pretty much his entire life. Um, there's a, what's called the uh, Jewish Kadash or Kaddish, I'm sorry, the Jewish Kaddish, uh, which means holy. Um, and there's this holy prayer, this the Kaddish prayer of the synagogue, um, which like likely goes back to Jesus's time, and it begins very similarly. Exalted and whole, hallowed be his his great name in the world which he created according to his will, is how that prayer. Begins, And as one commentator will write, he said, this affirms the typical Jewish expectation that God must be treated with highest honor. To hallow God's name means to hold it in reverence, hence to hold him in reverence, to honor, glorify, and exalt him. This is the essence of the first three of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, you shall not make for yourself an idol um, in the form of anything, and you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Um, and there are uh, several uh, commentators that I've noticed who will take and link the Lord's Prayer to the Ten Commandments, who say that there is an, an interesting parallel in how the Lord's Prayer is structured and how the Ten Commandments are structured. Fascinating. Um, so it is fascinating uh, to see that. Um, so, uh, you know, when we talk about God's name, when we talk about His name being great, um, I think we do need to ask the question, what is God's name? I think that's an important question to ask because names matter. Hmm. And there is this sense, um, especially in the Ten I mean, look at the Ten Commandments. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. And we've talked about that. Go back into our archives and, and, and listen to our Ten Commandments uh, series we did. But what is the name of God?
1: This is a great question. So you can see the Bible uses a variety of terms, and we can just talk about. I'll tell first a name that is used generally for God, especially in the Hebrew yeah. uh, Old Testament, is El. Yeah. And so when Genesis begins, in the beginning, God, the word there is actually Elohim, which is the he a Hebrew uh, plural form of the Hebrew the the Im yeah. suffix at the end, and so what it's saying is, um, may the greatest god mm-hmm. so it's not just plural but it also shows like magnified this is the god of gods this this god that created the heaven of the earth is um the total uh power of all possible gods and so before they before god is named um in in the text especially for its first readers elohim is a name that's used for god um and then tell us about tell us about another name y'all moses gets one um, there's Yahweh, mm-hmm.
0: um, and which is a very specific name. It's the name of the covenant. I would imagine Is the best, I guess that's the way to say it. Um, and it's a name that it becomes the name that out of kind of reverence and, uh, um, reverence to the name becomes unspoken in a way. Mm-hmm. And so then we get the word kind of the word Adonai is that right That word Adonai that comes in kind of as a placeholder
1: if you will as a placeholder and Adonai translates to lord to lord and so then um you might have
0: heard some of y'all listening might have heard the word or the name Jehovah um like Jehovah Jireh mm-hmm. and and others the interesting thing about Jehovah is that it comes about and my under, if if I remember remembering from my Hebrew days in in seminary um What happened with it was you had this name that was not spoken, Yahweh, then you had Adonai, and then what what ends up happening is you would have um, kind of this kind of merging of the vowels of Adonai and the consonants of Yahweh together, and when some, um, was it like monks or something like that, German monks um, um, came together, um, basically through some pulling those together and trying to think of how to pronounce Yahweh, it becomes Jehovah or Jehovah, mm-hmm. um, and so Jehovah in and itself is not really a word. Um, I mean, it is, but it isn't. And right. it's so- like
1: it's like a translated way of of for those who are trying to because if you t- put the vowels back in Yahweh, and then you write it out in Old Script, which I believe may have been in Germanic or Latin, the Js and Ys are interchangeable. That's right. Yeshua, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and then you have the V's in Hebrew, or our W's in Hebrew, are often uh, soft Bs, like V's, vav mm-hmm. Jehovah Yahweh, and so yep. you have all of that mixing together. Mm-hmm. So it looks on hours paper combined, like, but powers combined, <laughs> and it and comes Jehovah. out to be the name Jehovah, Jehovah!
0: <laughs> Captain
1: Jehovah. <laughs> and then when that appears in early Bibles, based on that yeah. kind of uh, Latinized text. Yeah. Um, Then it becomes, hey, that's God's name. Yeah. But it's Um, it's really kind of another attempt at saying. That's that's
0: right. That's right. And part of it was uh, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew particularly, was a like many ancient languages, was a spoken language before it was a written language. And so part of it is because of that, um, learning how to pronounce words that you're now that you're reading and and you're looking at um it can be difficult from you know when you're moving from kind of ancient text to you know you know at the time more modern times trying to learn how to pronounce it that becomes problematic and so then it just all can kind of get but what we do know is that um you got yahweh you got adonai the purpose of adonai um and then when jesus uh uses the word lord uh which is uh in Greek kurios. it's curios he's he's going back to the adonai piece like that they, there that's a that's um that that that's an important piece he's not just using the word lord in the sense of you know master he's actually connecting
1: to um to the divine to mm-hmm. to to god to show because that was the, that would be the practice in speaking the name as it was so holy now the yeah. word the, the name yahweh um is i am what i am or i am that i that, am yeah right, or i right. will be what i will be right. it is it's a beautiful thing when you go into philosophy about that yeah because it just doubles down on god is i am what yes. is yeah um I, and and there you can start to pull out theology you grab from the rest of scripture yeah. um the ground of all being yeah
0: yeah uh,
1: um, which which means when we start to talk about idols later in the scriptures and think about idols in our own lives yeah. there is not a god who is greater than the god who is greater than all gods like elohim right. there is not a god that is any deeper than the source and ground of all being right i mean it's pretty amazing well and 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 that's something to also look at too
0: is two things i want to mention uh one is um uh in kind of early jewish text understanding of god they'll lift up the name of god um, and they'll lift up the who God is as the greatest of all gods, right? So there is does seem to be some sort of, at least in their understanding, pantheon that is going on of, of spiritual beings. And that Yahweh or El, El Shaddai, El, is the greatest of all of that. Um, but then that becomes later on in Jewish theology will be more, there are no other gods but Yahweh or but, but the Lord. So um, there does seem to be a movement from, and well, there's I think not that's a just... Din- a, there's I not think a it's denial
1: a, that there are other gods. Go ahead.
0: No, and I think it's a natural also progression within from going from a um polytheistic worldview to a monotheistic mm-hmm. worldview. Yeah. Um, is you're going to still have a pantheon part of as part of that.
1: Yeah. And so the the early on, especially if you look at Genesis, it was written in a culture that had uh pantheism and polytheism right and so to come out and say that there is one god greater than all god starts monotheism right off the bat yeah um and the hebrew the hebrew people the scriptures will end up saying hey if god is what god says god is then nothing else is really god yeah um yeah it's not to say that we stopped believing it's like wow this is nothing right it's like well, it's like... like when you had that craft cheese and then you went over uh <laughs> You went over and had some good gouda you're like that wasn't cheese some good good, good gouda. gouda, gouda. it's like when you're drinking that diet coke and you get yourself a sam's cola you're like this sam's cola ain't coke
2: this is blasphemy <laughs>
1: It it, well, you know,
0: even in our language we use today, we do that. We we talk about the gods of our lives, you know what what you know, and we're using that because we understand that there are things that we put as one. um, As Paul Tillich will talk about, uh, who's a German theologian from the mid 20th century, he will talk about as um, the. kind of ultimate concern. Those that we put those mm-hmm. things we put our ultimate concern in, those become gods. That becomes gets our worship.
1: And right. um so we do that even today, um, um with right. even uh, practically. Hey um, John, Ty- John Tyson out of Church of the City of New York, uh one of my favorite mm-hmm. preachers, because he because he has an Australian accent, and you're automatically a better hey, preacher. He automatically someone's more accent. spiritual than we are. Um, yeah. he defines an idol or a false god as anything that you that, that you give your heart to and that you sacrifice to. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that in an yeah. early episode too. Um,
0: there is a great resource uh, called the Bible project. You you guys familiar with that? Yep. Um, so they have a series of videos that I'll link to on God's name and um, there'll be, so I'll link to that. It's really accessible And it's all free, and y'all just uh, go listen to the—they do a great job um, of talking about these issues um, as well. So, the name of the Lord is great. Um, The name of the Lord is holy. The name of the Lord is to be hallowed in our lives. I think we talked about this a little bit when uh, we—probably in in detail on our episode where we did uh, not taking the Lord's name in vain, but I think it bears kind of a little bit of repeating— how do we do that? How do we hold God's name holy? Like practically speaking, in our lives, uh, what what can we do to make sure God's name is hallowed in our lives?
1: What do you I'll, do? I'll ki- I'll kick off as just a start, and then then stop talking for a second. Um, one, there there this this prayer puts you in a certain posture of heart, hmm. period, from which you then can either lean into it and act or you can learn to believe it if you don't Mm -hmm. um god i want your name your glory all that you are to be manifest all over everywhere but also because we are praying this as a community may everything every movement of our heart hallow and glorify your name Mm -hmm. may everything in me hallow and glorify your name and i kind of need your holy spirit's help to do that which also says that. Today I am choosing to not hallow my own name, mm. and make sure that um, I'm doing all the things that are going to get all the glory. That I'm not sucking up the power and trying to do things for my own sake. Mm. So there's just kind of the posture part.
2: Okay, sure. I think it's um, I think we we hallow the name of God by by testifying to the name of God, whether that's with our with our words, which would be the natural way to testify to anything. Um, but also through our actions, our behavior, I mean, I think Jim's right, everything. Um, so, um, we have to, we have to speak the name of God, I think, um, share the name of God. I think we have to, um, honor the name of God in the way that we act and, and, um, conduct ourselves. Not that the Christian life is behavioral management, but it's, we do have to conduct ourselves in a way that that honors honors God. So, I mean, it's all those things.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is where some of our Reformed uh, brothers and sisters actually kind of get it right, especially in their language when they say that. Oh, um,
1: oh, hold on, I've got to recover from that. <laughs> okay, pick yourself I'm up, kidding. Jim. Pick I'm yourself kidding. up.
0: <laughs> um, I love how um, Louis Giglio, uh, you know, of Passion, um, he, uh, he says and kind of historically has said through the Passion movement, of um, our 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 number one goal in life is to know God and to make his name known, to make his name known throughout the world. Um, that that really is a, a sentiment that you will hear from Reformed theologians, that to know God and to make his name known. Um, Wesley would have no problem with that, by the way. Ar, Ar, uh, Arminius would have no problem with that. Uh, historically, the church has had no problem with that understanding that, I mean, in fact, it goes well with that first, um, uh, question in the Catechism: What is the chief end of humanity? To yeah. to to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, right? To make His name, to know Him, and to make His name known. And so, um, Alan, I think you're spot on on that. Absolutely. Um, to I liked how you even said to speak the name of the Lord, right? I mean, at some point, to to not be afraid of proclaiming the name of the Lord. Um, So how do
2: we reconcile that with the fact that, like, you know, Jews wouldn't even um, wouldn't say Yahweh, you know, Um, as an act of as an act of holding his name in reverence. But they used um, other
0: names to still proclaim like Adonai. There you go. Yeah, and so we're doing that with Jesus, and I think Jesus gives us the right to do that, to lift his name on high, you know, Uh, and I've been thinking a lot of two passages that are very, very different, but have very similar sentiments to them. One is out of Hebrews uh, chapter 12, where it talks about fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and the other is out of, I think it's John chapter 12, maybe, where Jesus is talking about if I am lifted high, and he's talking about the type of death that he's going to um that he's going to endure going to the cross. But what he says is, if I'm lifted high above the earth, I'll draw all people into myself. And I've just been thinking about like the role of the church is to fix our eyes on Jesus and to lift high the name of Jesus. And then to just let Jesus do what Jesus does. Um, let him do the work. So if we, as a, as followers, we do that, we just lift high the name of Jesus, keep our focus in our, on him. Then, um, you know, he does the work. Um, he, he, that's his, that's his, that's what he has said. And, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's
1: right. Hey, here's a practical way. Uh, as you're talking about what do you do to hell? Cause one we're praying it here and, and it doesn't yeah. always have to mean that we then do it, right. but, um, that doesn't sound right. We don't want to forsake praying it because we make it into something we do. Right? right. Yeah. Um but so a a place that you could pray hallowed be your name in a really practical way is as I deal with these things. Um let's say you're in a situation with another person where you have maybe strong feelings or somebody uh, you want to get something done maybe it's at the house and and you have you want to win uh, over uh, a decision or a, an argument or assert yourself. Mm-hmm. Um I find myself in places like that where I constantly am starting to recognize where I'm trying to hallow my name across Mm -hmm. and to step back and to say, Lord, hallowed be your name in this particular situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a conflict. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's uh, a way in which you're going to relate to somebody says, then Lord, help me to know by your Holy Spirit what will glorify your name in this and what will you call me to do here? So then I'm able to follow more. In the Jesus way of emptying myself, yeah. my desires, not even just what I want, but what I don't even know that I want, that I want mm-hmm. um, to be heard, to be loved, to be listened to, to be respected, all those little intricate things that fall down in somebody's life, mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, I'm going to act in such a way where I empty myself of myself so that God may be hallowed in the way that I relate to this person mm-hmm. or to this scenario. Not that you can't get what you think is right. Mm-hmm. But you can approach a person in a completely different way and still have that outcome. Mm. That feels like word salad to me. Um, <laughs> have I had enough coffee today? <laughs> but there are real practical ways. Like if, if Alan and I are fist fighting, which happens like twice a week. yes, yeah. um, we Which is interesting because they're on the ep- op- yeah. opposite yeah. sides we, of the state. We uh-huh. Zoom uh-huh. fist fight now. I've gone through so many to community mo- computer
2: monitors.
1: Virtual. Virtual <laughs> Um There's a way in which... Uh, Alan might have a a feeling where he might want to overpower me or me overpower Alan just in the way we talk and relate to each other. Lord, hallowed be your name. How should I relate to Alan where your name is glorified? Mm. What are you calling for me for your great purposes? What do I need to empty of myself here Mm. so that I can glorify your name and hallow your name in this interaction? Yeah gosh that was too many words no but paul i mean you're that's that's philippians 2 again though right that is is. have the same
0: mindset of that of christ jesus who empties himself right he that kenosis um yeah some
1: of my buddies on on our on our church team over here are listening they'll know that i'm really taken with philippians 2 right now yeah yeah
0: um strong all right gents Um, I think that is uh, going to do it for this episode on uh, Hallowed Be Your Name. Um, And the next episode, we're going to be uh, talking about... The second petition, your nation state come. I mean, sorry, your kingdom come. Your Your nation state (laughs) I feel like that was
1: like nerdy shots fired. Very (laughs) nerdy shots fired.
2: Or a Freudian Uh, slip. I don't um, know. Your
0: your kingdom come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, As a reminder, the Podokiesis podcast is part of the Spirit and Truth podcasting network. Um, The Spirit and Truth Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit, to share the gospel and to make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth and mobilized for mission. For more information and resources, visit spiritandtruth.life. You can hit us up on social media. um, At Potokies, this is where you can find us. You can call us at 404-635-6679. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. Share us with your family and friends. Let people know that we are out here. And we so appreciate you, our listeners. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Have a good one.